0: you can help somebody spot a mental health issue before it's mental illness, that's what we're after, right? There's no more rub dirt in it. I think we've gotten away from that now. I think we all recognize that this mental health, mental illness is real, and it affects people, and nobody can afford it to affect you when you're using heavy equipment next to somebody else. So that's this is all about safety above the net. It's it's, it's above the neck rather than everybody thinks of all your PPE and everything you do.
1: Hello, welcome to another episode of Making It in Ontario, the official podcast of the Trillium Network for Advanced Manufacturing. I'm your host, Nick Persichilli, and in this episode, I chat about workforce development, technology adoption, and mining with some new friends of ours at NORCAT, Greg Major and Ed Wisniewski. Greg is the director of NORCAT's Underground Center, and Ed is their chief technology officer. So, how is it that on a podcast discussing advanced manufacturing, I ended up with two experts on mining? Well, it turns out that both industries are kind of kindred spirits. Putting aside the fact that manufacturing needs mined materials as raw inputs, the two industries face almost identical challenges on several fronts. Both industries are seeing an exodus of older, experienced workers. Both industries are seeing challenges in filling their talent pipelines to replace said workers. Both industries are struggling with perception challenges as to the jobs they offer, and both industries are currently working hard to adopt advanced technology to improve all aspects of their operations. And now, with the Stellantis LG Energy announcement to open a new gigawatt battery plant in the Windsor area, the two sectors will likely have a lot more to discuss Our managing director, Brendan Sweeney, has said publicly that this announcement is, quote, a game changer. He's not being hyperbolic. This will change the game for Ontario's electric vehicle manufacturing future. As most people know, Canada has a long history of pulling valuable raw materials from the ground and selling them to countries and companies that have the ability to do the high value added process work. This often meant that the value chain in Canada between the mining of raw materials and the manufacturing of the final product for several goods like EV batteries was often broken, and at times left the province and the country entirely. As the shift to EVs slowly becomes the norm and we begin mining raw materials to fill the capacity in our new gigafactory, it's important that these industries, and rather the people that work in these industries, are ready. Recently, both the federal and provincial governments released their plans for Ontario's and Canada's minerals. You can find the links to their plans on our blog post, and we encourage everyone to read them. The province's plan has an interesting quote from the Ontario Minister of Northern Development, Mines, Natural Resources, and Forestry, Greg Rickford. In the plan, he says, quote, For many decades, Ontario's mining sector has fed demand for industry, fueling construction booms and steady growth in our manufacturing sector. As the world shifts to a greener, more connected, and tech-driven economy, there's no question the demand for critical minerals will increase, end quote. Later in that same document, they also mentioned NORCAT by name and their underground center as a place where, quote, companies can develop and test new technologies in an operating mine setting while also training their workforce. In the federal government's plan, they say, quote, establishing manufacturing capacity for energy storage and EVs in Canada would provide certain economies of scale and related skills and infrastructure to develop in the surrounding market ecosystem, end quote. Sounds like our governments are getting ready for something big. The Trillium Network has published several items on the subject of manufacturing workforce development and progress is being made in the advanced manufacturing ecosystem. You can check out our reports page in previous podcast episodes to see what I mean. After chatting with Ed and Greg, it was very encouraging to hear the two of them discussing how to better attract and retain more young people, how they've adopted advanced technology to vastly improve training process and active safety protocols. At the end of every video call I've had with them, their sign-off instead of goodbye is stay safe. It's part of their day-to-day. It's part of their professional culture. Heck, they even made me want to go visit an active mine, which by the way is what Norcat's underground center actually is. It's a place where people can be trained, technology can be tested, and the final products can be demonstrated, all in real-time and in real-world circumstances. In short, the NORCAT Underground Centre is likely going to get a lot busier as we move forward into the next decade. And that's a good thing. So with that, here's Ed and Greg discussing how their facility will help us to keep making it in Ontario. And just like that, we're rolling. Good morning to both of you. Thank you for joining me today on the podcast. Before we go any further, uh, because there are some people who haven't had the benefit of meeting you first, would you gentlemen please introduce yourselves, starting with Greg Major, because he is in my upper left-hand corner.
0: Uh, Good morning, and thanks for having us on here. My name is Greg Major. I am the director of the NORCAT Underground Centre out here in Ottawa, Ontario. I've been out here for seven years, been with NORCAT looking about 22 years.
1: Thank you for joining us today.
2: And Edward, hello. Good morning. I'm Edward Zniewski. I'm the Chief Technology Officer for NARCAT. I'm responsible for pretty much all of the technology that NARCAT has uh, at all of its various locations across Ontario and beyond. I've been with NARCAT since 1996, the inception of NARCAT, and uh, I've been here to grow it from the beginning of time. That is
1: fantastic. So there's a fair bit of institutional knowledge between the two of you then, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's fantastic. Thank you again for joining me. Now, as most of our stakeholders are aware, we have a, a directory listing on our website called the Manufacturing Ecosystem Partners, of which Norcat is one. And on the website, we obviously kind of discuss a little bit about what our MEPs do. So for the benefit of those who are who who, who have not heard of Norcat, give us a quick uh, you know, Norcat 101.
0: Okay. So, I'll 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 try and field that one Ed uh so norcat was based in health and safety that's what we started with that's what we are still our number one strength is uh we have grown from one building to several locations across the province um although we are strong in mining that is not our only gig anymore uh technology um eds department has grown Phenomenal, phenomenally, the, stu- the studio has produced some amazing technology that is not only mining-based anymore. Um, it's used by different organizations for different reasons, training being the number one. But that we're still strong in, in mining, and, and most of our mining partners use our training or training setups for um, For getting on and off properties for different reasons.
2: Yeah. So besides the training element that that NORCAT's main role is, uh, we also have an innovation side to us where we provide uh, local uh, SMEs through our regional innovation center, uh, access to mentors and, and access to resources, funding programs to help grow local entrepreneurs, and we, we, we take the flavor of what they're with, with the fact that we're part of the resource sector. So again, like Greg mentioned, mining, forestry, construction, and we connect the, 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 the SMEs to that sector. And so if you're developing something in mining, we'll provide you mentorship, we'll provide you potentially funding, we'll, we'll even give you space and, and a space to grow, we'll give you access to our mine where you can now innovate at our mine and continue growing your products. And and um, that's, that's, you know, we are known for our training, but that's another aspect of NORCAT, which is we're really heavy on allowing innovation to happen.
1: That's fantastic. I'm going to want uh, to pick that apart in a little bit. But Before we do that, Ed, you said you started with Norcat back was it 96, 97? 96, yeah. 96. I'm glad I've got someone who's been with the organization that long. Tell me a little bit about what it was like back then. What were you working on back then? What were your stressors back then? What was some of the, what was the industry worried about back then compared to today?
2: Well, back then, um, we were in when we okay, so when we formed to start bringing technology to the mining industry, that's what our resource at the time was health and safety and the, the, the mining industry. One of the challenges was where we were actually transitioning that world from overheads to CDs. And our challenges really were finding people that oh, yep.
1: Can I just quickly clarify, you're talking about overhead projectors.
2: Absolutely. The old, the old transparencies where you'd throw them down on a thing and it would shoot on a, on a, on a screen. And the best thing about those, you know, I, you know, when we grew up in elementary school, I remember they used to use overheads in our, in our classrooms, but you know, for taking notes and whatever. But when I finally got to NORCAT. And I was watching how advanced overheads work. Well, I learned that you can actually like, you know, animate and tell stories with them because they just keep stacking them and growing the story and story on top of them. So, you know, I was part of a program where I was talking about how we are the seeds and we have to grow the company. And I, I watched how a little seed turned into a plant through overheads. It was, it was an interesting, you know, I remember they were training me this way, but our challenge was we needed to convert that mindset to digital media. We needed to get down to, Okay, we need computers with Mpeg cards. You know, you couldn't back then. Computers couldn't even play video. You you needed a specific uh, an Mpeg card. <laughs> it was it was an, it was an insane thing the way things worked. And so, besides a technology challenge, we had to satisfy that element, we had to find people that knew this industry. And and back then it really wasn't, it wasn't really out there. So we were, we were, um, we were learning everything on the fly and trying to find people that could help us and and teach us. And again, that really wasn't out there um, because we were, we were being, we were so brand new to this, this technology that um, we ended up becoming the resource to learn it all. And as we as we started with CDs, we moved from that to eventually uh, creating labs of you know, network programs and then eventually to the internet. And, and here we are today, you know, we're, we're producing stuff on the internet, which is far much easier than the old days because when we produce a, a program on CD and then somebody said, oh, I want to change the video and we just sent a thousand CDs out. That's another thousand CDs that got to go out.
1: So let's talk a little bit about uh what you guys are up to today i've got um you guys have had a little bit of ink in uh, cbc haven't you
2: uh yeah sure Yeah,
1: yeah those three articles there let's let's quickly chat about them real quick um so made in sudbury vr training wins international award now uh yeah thumbs up well done let's so let's talk about that vr what's happening with that vr training
2: so VR is, is, is a tool to us. It's, it's, it's not, um you know, a lot of people look at VR as, as, as a gaming technology and um, what we've done with VR. And uh, again, Norcat has actually let us play with VR or, or learn with it since about 1998 when, when we had our first actual, actual tools, but it wasn't until about 2012, um, when the DK one came to the market and we were able to uh, put together a team now of um, people that uh, like-minded people that were like come from the gaming industry and that knew the technology and our, our trick was to educate them and, on the, the the training side of, of, of the world and see if we can merge the two technologies from being able to create an interactive uh, piece where we don't use VR to replace training. Um, we do not make a training program where you're going to put on a VR headset and you're going to go from start A to B and be done with the whole program. Uh, we haven't done that yet. And, and I don't see us for, in the for, foreseeable future doing that because what we do is we wrap a curriculum, a real educational program, and then we take parts of the program that normally would have been traditionally done on a PowerPoint or something like that. And we solve that problem in VR if the technology allows itself to. So in the case of this award, the problem was is is uh underground pre-operational checks uh the problem that is that happens from this is when you want to train somebody on a pre-operational pre-oper- tr- check underground on a vehicle you got to take the vehicle out of uh production when you take the vehicle out of production the mine's no longer producing money with that vehicle and you but, but you have to do this to train the, the students on it because they have to know how to do a pre-operational check. The other potential challenge you have when you're doing this type of training underground is... Uh, getting to the training location. So for example, even my production crew, when they went underground to capture the pre-operational check, which was about a a two hour job to record the video and learn about it. They were actually stuck underground for six hours because they had to wait. There was a, there was a problem with the cage. And they had to actually wait in the uh, refuge station for approximately four hours for a cage ride. So, so when you're trying to train students, on a vehicle underground, it's done traditionally by taking it out of production, bringing the students to that site, training them, and then bringing them back to surface and continuing. Well, by doing this in VR, we can can solve a bunch of problems. One, we don't have to take the vehicle out of production. Two, we do not have to take people to to the actual underground location because we can create that same location in VR, which is what we did. And we're saving a lot of time and money, but, but the ultimate thing about it is, is we can create problems around the vehicle that again, when they bring a vehicle in for a pre-operational check and they're training somebody, they're hopefully not going to open up the hood and find a dirty rag that might catch on the fire. It's not, that's not supposed to be there, right? The hazard's not there. So what we can do in VR now is we can take the vehicle and trigger it with hazards. We can leave a dirty rag in the engine. We could leave uh, low fuel in one of the hydraulic systems. We can, we can take a chunk out of the tire. We can break the master switch there's, there's, we can do whatever we want to that vehicle now, and then we put the, the student in VR with an instructor. So the student isn't there by themselves, and they're not there to just figure this out on their own. Again, there, it's part of a course. They learn about it, then the instructor's with them. They go into VR, and now with an instructor, they have the ability to take as much time as they need to, one, get orientated to the environment, and two, uh, understand what they have to look for the, around the vehicle. They actually have to do a physical uh, pre-operational check where they they have to check off the, the clipboard And when they're done, they have to hand it into the instructor and the instructor compares what they did against what the actual scenarios were. From there, the instructor and the student now have the ability to work together to say, okay, well, you missed this. Like there was a rag on the ground and the student has the ability to go, well, I didn't see the value in the rag on the ground. It doesn't matter. It's housekeeping. It's part of the environment. You still have to pick that up and that still has to go in the garbage. So it's all of the little things that we can do. Um, plus, we can create hazards on the vehicle, which you just can't have in the real world. So what we did was is we wrapped it around uh, four different vehicles that the mining industry in, in Sudbury uses because we wanted to make this a Sudbury flavor product. We worked with Valet, and Valet helped drive the entire project. They, they helped they help pay for the, the development of the vehicles, which is why we branded it Valet VR. And then we started uh, working on uh, running students through it. And then now we're working with Ryerson University and they're going to be uh, sort of like the, the person that signs off on our study to, to make sure that we've we followed proper protocols and university study methods to ensure that the study was done right. But we're actually doing a study now on the students and we have, we have a group that didn't go through the VR and we have a group that has gone through the VR. And, and, and the idea is, is we're going to do retention of information. Does We're trying to figure out did putting them in the VR actually get them to the job site faster with more knowledge versus did just sending them to Greg and Greg just doing their circle check with them, did they retain it better? And does it get them to the job site any faster or slower? And are there any disadvantages or advantages to this so far, you know, uh, not to to overstep the, the, the bounds of the study, but you know, when we get to look at the data, it's, you know, it's, it's actually unbelievably uh, good data that's coming to us. And people are, are really loving the experience. So when we submitted it to the, the AXIR awards, um, we, were, uh, we were very happy to be nominated as uh, the world leaders in, in VR training and education.
1: What you just said kind of ma- clicked something in for me, which was you've got a machine in a mine and if it's down there, it's doing something. It's being productive. It's making money and that's good. If you got to take it down to do some repair. Okay. Take it down, do the repair. Cool. But if you're using that machine for training, it's generating $0, right? Yeah. But it's not actually generating $0 because it's, it's generating those dollars down the line. So I personally can attest to the muscle memory that you get when playing a video game is incredible. Yeah. So if you start yeah. with that hey look there's a rag on the ground i could tell you right now if you walk through a shop floor of of an auto mechanics if there's a rag on the ground someone's going to tell you to pick it up if the shop floor is worth anything right i mean if it's a good shot they'll tell you pick it up i love that idea i i I, this is fantastic let's shift gears for a second talk about sudbury so looking at what's happening in sudbury with the incubator there and uh greg I'll, i'll ask you this 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 entire project seems fantastic because you've got industry, academia, they're all talking. All of these groups that are traditionally siloed are actually coming together and talking. Is that is that what I'm seeing here?
0: Yes, they are. I spend, unfortunately, most of my time out here, it's a, it's a, it's a tiger by the tail. I wish I spent more time on the incubator um, in in Sudbury. Um, unfortunately, it might be the better one to, to really touch home
2: and make sure you're getting the right answers on that. Okay, so so the 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 incubator that Jamaican mentioned of is the the Subri incubator. It's it's a partnership between uh, the Subri Development Corporation, uh, the Subri Chamber of Commerce, and the Regional uh, Business Center and Norcat. When Norcat, back when uh, our new CEO came into place back in 2012, um, he came from Mars and and he uh, he believed that Norcat should have uh, an innovation center. And what we did is we created these programs called Startup 101s. And we wanted to see what, well, how many people can we innovate or, or how many people would be interested in learning how to create a business and and learn how to take their idea to market. Well, um, when we started this, the over overwhelming amount of people that were in Sudbury that had ideas on how to solve a problem. They come from mining. They know of a problem. They know how to solve it. They just don't know how to do it. So what what we did was is we ran these programs for a few years and then things got bigger and bigger and bigger and then, um, you know, through through uh, like Nor- Norcat's part of the Catalyst Fund where we we help fund um, taking inventors and entrepreneurs and putting them together and trying to to bridge that, that gap so that we can, you know, the inventor may not, not not be the best business person right so if we can take the people and put them together and then and then now you take what is doing and you add this incubator center downtown you know try to help rejuvenate the downtown in our city try to get foot traffic downtown try to get people developing their their products and their ideas downtown and, and we're just part of that formula to help because, again, we, we, un, we noticed that we unlocked something back when we started really getting heavy into the innovation side. And, and we brought uh, mentorship programs to Sudbury where we gathered up other like-minded entrepreneurs, people from the medical industry, people from the mining industry that were entrepreneurs. And then these people that would come to our programs, if they graduated from them and wanted to continue, they could they could apply through our regional innovation center and then get hooked up with a mentorship. Well, this is that now, just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So we have a lot of people in Sudbury that have great ideas that, that you know, again, it's all wrapped around, a lot of it's wrapped around industry. And I'm going to throw them on one more thing in there. One thing we did learn too, COVID. A lot of people went home on COVID that also caused people to come up with ideas and, and ways of making money to supplement things. And uh, you know, I've seen a lot of cool things come out of people just from the fact that they were at home with COVID and they took some of their hobbies and they expanded them. And so now some of these people are too, will have access to being able to go to the downtown and see if they can make a business for themselves rather than, you know, being reliant on having to work for somebody, you know, it's always better if you can work for yourself, I guess. Right.
1: Now, Greg, I'm also going to, I'm going to, I'm going to probe you for some answers here on this because yeah. I also saw that uh, uh, some time ago, back in May of 2021, you were quoted talking about the mental health considerations of the minors. And their. I, I would love to hear more about what your thinking is on this, like when it comes to training and, and, you know, cause like you, it's it's pretty easy to identify what burnout looks like from my seat, from like, you know, other, let's say sitting in an office, but tell me what burnout looks like. Tell me about the mental health considerations and and, and the training that you look for, for minors.
0: So we worked with WSN. They provided a fantastic program for us to help minors move forward in their careers safely. And I'll tell you, Minors are a tough bunch, uh, he, she, it doesn't matter the age, they're doing an inherently dangerous job, they're working uh, long hours, they're working away from home, um, they're working in the dark at all times. So you can just imagine their mental state, if not recognized, if situations aren't recognized, it can put them in danger. Uh, and when I say danger, I mean, we have uh, mental health issues, mental illness they are different. One sometimes leads to the, the second program we're looking and make sure that our students go through is identifying it. Uh, how can you identify a mental health issue in your colleagues, your friends, your partners working at the face? Uh, those are things that your employer wants you to be better educated in. You've got to remember how long your underground working for the organization compared to actually you're at home figure it out you're there as much as you are at home right or you're on the road things such as an easy identify once you work with somebody so long you you know them you know what time they get to work you know what they drink in their coffee Uh, but there's so many things that can help you identify uh, situations like uh, maybe he's coming in late uh maybe he's blowing chips maybe uh maybe you know little things like he's not even washing as much, he's not showering as much. What's changed? Uh, maybe he's drinking, uh even how he dresses. If you can help somebody spot a mental health issue before it's mental illness or before um something worse happens I mean, that's what we're after, right. It, there's no more rubbed dirt in it. I think we've gotten away from that now. The the adults out there and, and rough and tough minors have gotten away from, oh, just rubbed dirt in it. You'll be fine. I think we all recognize that this mental health, mental illness is real and it affects people. Um, and nobody can afford it to affect you when you're using heavy equipment next to somebody else. So that's this is all about safety above the neck it's 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 above the neck rather than everybody thinks of all your ppe and everything you need to be safe below the neck this is the same thing above the neck one of the things that i've realized
1: from my chair and behind this microphone when i'm talking with industry people is that the most important yet almost impossible to measure aspect of business is culture and that culture of like you, like greg like you just said i'll oh, just rub some dirt in it or just walk it off that mentality again. I'm not an expert. I'm, I'm and I'm just guessing. And who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. But I, I feel as though that mentality has probably caused countless dollars in damage. Countless has ruined countless lives. I'm glad to hear you say that. Everything you just said is incredibly encouraging. And I guess what I would ask from you and what what lessons can you give? Because let let's face it. There's no. There's few industries that are tougher as nails than a miner. You know what I mean? Like other than maybe a soldier in an active war zone, how much of a challenge was it to, I guess, install, quote unquote, that sort of mentality? What, what, what were the challenges to that?
0: So the challenges to that are change. Miners uh, performing an inherently dangerous job don't like change like everybody else. Once you're a minor, you've been a minor and you will continue to be a minor. Nobody likes change. So when you train somebody, especially minors in touchy-feely, you must recognize, everybody shies away from it. You may say to, I may say to you in line up one day waiting for the cage, hey, you look a bit off today. Did you, did you want to talk? There's some key points there. You have to make sure that you're not saying it to make yourself feel good. You're saying it to help them. So make sure when you say you got some time to talk, don't say it knowing that the cage is going to be there in 30 seconds and you're safe. Make sure that you're, that you're going to have the time to, to help them out. Those are the challenges. It's, it's a little bit bigger than sometimes, geez, he feels a bit off. I'm just going to tell my supervisor. Sometimes just that quick chat with your colleague will do the job. 80% of the people that talk about their mental health issues feel better. It's not you're cured. It's they feel better. Is that is that an
1: accurate eighty? Is that an accurate stat? Eighty percent. That is the stats. Yeah. Wow. That and you know what that makes sense, and I like the idea of how you kind of differentiate and delineated between, you know, it's a mental health issue versus a mental illness issue. I love the fact that you, you differentiate between oh, it's, and it,
0: it's a progress from a mental health issue to a mental illness. It isn't right. always that way, but it can be. Uh, mental illnesses are. Mental health are controlled by you. Uh, things aren't going well in your life. Um, get better sleep. Take up yoga. Whatever it may be to change what you're doing. Once you have, if you have a mental illness problem, it doesn't always come from mental health. But if you have a mental illness problem, now you're looking at uh, medication. You're looking at uh, psychiatrists. Things you're unable to, to handle yourself.
1: That is incredible I, I, I found, I mean, unless I, I'm sure we're going to keep talking and other interesting things are going to come up, but that to me was the most mind-blowing thing. I, I, I think the amount of care that I, I hear you guys talking about with your people is incredible. Um, shifting gears to the mining activity itself, because everyone right now is talking about electric vehicles, this mining, lithium, that let's pull it out of the ground. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, Everyone is now turning their attention to the mining sector, but you guys have been around for a lot longer than just this discussion of lithium, haven't you?
0: Sure. Lithium is what's changing now. Electric scoops are what's the new thing, and it's for a better future and for all the right reasons. Um, But mining hasn't changed that much for 100 years. Even the scoops, they may not be running on diesel when they're done, but they're still in the hands of a miner doing the same job.
1: So let's talk a little bit about mining proper, the actual act of going in, digging, drilling, uh, pickaxes, and and do, wow, okay, that you guys probably don't use pickaxes <laughs> anymore. I'm sorry, <laughs> but let's so let's talk a little bit about the actual act and the process of pulling things out of the ground. What's sort of an average day for, and as you can tell, as I'm asking this question. I'm poorly, I'm woefully misinformed on uh, the actual. I know more about your activities and training than I do about the actual act of digging stuff out of the ground. Tell us a little bit. What kind of mining happens in Ontario?
0: So right away, I know I need to get you into our mine to 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 help you. Um, so what a normal miner might do underground at an organization such as Glenfor or Valley. Um, my students would do in three or four weeks. Uh, What they do in a day, we do in three or four weeks. We will do what they call a full round. Um, So your tunnel or drift, uh, they want to keep extending that drift, blast out the end of the drift, gather that rock, take it out, put it in a truck, get it off property, smelt it, make it into something that the world needs. The next day through in, again, they're doing the same thing. Uh, what changes is sometimes ground control or what they're mining, uh, what direction. It's the whole, the mines don't run on just a miner. The miners do a fantastic and amazing and required job. There's geologists, there's specialists in ground control. There are people that, diamond drillers that tell them where to drill. Uh, it's, a, it's a full package. Let's talk a little bit about the equipment that you guys use then.
1: How has that sort of changed over the past? Let's say, actually, I don't even know what scale to use. Cause you said mining, both of you seem to have said that mining hasn't really changed much in the last century. So mm-hmm. educate me, educate the general public a little bit about what hasn't changed and what has changed.
0: So I'll, I'll jump in on the mine stuff. So what hasn't changed is how we mine in general, the equipment in general, You're going to drill holes, you're going to fill those holes with explosives, you're going to blast it, then you're going to muck it out with a scoop. What has changed is we've gotten safer over the years. We've got an Occupational Health and Safety Act for a reason. So scoops are now cleaner. They're inspected. Ed's program, we're walking around, we're making sure they're good. They run with lights on them, blue or yellow or or red, whatever that organization has for safety. But now they have safety devices on them, so when that scoop rounds a corner, it, it'll automatically detect another scoop. That's some of the innovation that the organizations are working on. Um, it'll, it'll even
2: you, just detect people. The people are yeah, even right now.
0: Yeah, asset tags, right? Yeah. You've got something on John Doe. That uh, scoop goes around the corner, detects it, says, "Hey, John Doe's on this trip. Maybe he shouldn't be, but regardless, he's there. I stop." All these safety features are there because of accidents or incidents in the past.
2: Another thing that's changing is a lot of technologies being implemented in the mines, uh, stuff that they didn't have before. So like, for example, at at Greg's mine, we're looking at putting in 4G and 5G technologies so that people can use um, devices. So like, for example, I know of a mine in Sudbury right now that's using um, uh, 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 Android or iPhone tablets, and they have the ability to see their mind map in real time. They can control things in real time. In the event of an emergency, their device automatically kicks in and shows them where the nearest route to where they should, Go to for refuge stations. So there's a there's a technology play now that wasn't there before. Uh, people are getting te- tablets and stuff to go underground with, you know, your circle check that I was talking about earlier, the pre-operational check that you know that's done on paper with you know pen and check marks. Well, n- now that's actually some minds are implementing that through a digital process, which actually does something a little bit bigger because what it does is it allows us to do analytics over that right away, saying, oh, okay, you know what, we're noticing that uh, uh, you know this type of scoop, we're having to. Replace Place this type of hose more often, and it and they can get the notifications of the work orders a lot faster when when they're doing them digitally, and the information sent up right away. Again, with with all the new technology that's being implemented in the mines, we're gonna see a huge change in the future, especially with the uh, automation that's coming and, and and the electric vehicles and stuff like that. So, yeah, that, that's a big difference than in the past.
1: So let's talk about the miners. How does one get into mining today?
0: Uh, So in Ontario, which has got easily the best regulations for this country or the world, and and I don't say that because it's untrue, it is true, they require Common Core, which is basically a license. It says, I can go underground and work in Ontario because I've got my license. I've been trained under these modules, several different modules, each module is for a different aspect of mining, whether it be drilling, blasting, mucking, etc. You must be trained on the very basic modules to even go underground in Ontario to work as a miner, and then there are specialties to go underground, work as a miner, and make you useful, make you more useful than your partner, right? But we have learned that Core is required just because John Doe is strong or john doe is smart or john doe shows up on time unless he's got the required training he shouldn't be working underground and that's what's changed is don't just put him under because he's a friend hiring companies don't even pick up your resume if it doesn't have the ministry transcript that says this person has been trained and he's got the required documentation
1: so is it fair to say that in the past If you walked up and wanted to work for a mine, you basically just had to kind of flex your bicep and be able to demonstrate that you can add five and five and get to 10, that that was it, right?
0: That's why Common Core was invented, and I'm not saying that was last year. I mean, this has developed over time, but that's why it's there, and that's why Ontario is so solid on it. Mining is an inherently dangerous job, and I think I've mentioned that, but with the regulations and the training that we provide, although it's dangerous, don't have an accident 30 seconds like other industries uh we're pretty solid on this and yes accidents happen but because our guys are trained and I don't mean just my guys Ontario Common Core the accidents are down
1: one of the things I'm most encouraged about in this interview is the number of times that you both have, have mentioned the word innovation and innovation is one of those concepts that I mean it's kind of like you know you know it when you see it, but it's very, very, very hard to define. However, the fact that you guys have incorporated video game technology into your training, the fact that you're understanding things like mental health tells me that you're, you're, you guys are very much tearing down the silos and allowing for innovation. I, I, I've, I'm, I'm very encouraged about everything I've learned. Is there anything that you guys wanted to add before we sign off?
2: Yeah, you know when you you mentioned innovation, and, and you know you, you hear us using it a lot. Um, I I will say hands down, working for Norcat for the last, well, I guess it's what's been almost oh, 20, almost twenty seven years ish. I guess ish where we're there. Um, you, Norcat has always been an innovative company because one, it, it when it hired me, w- one of the aspects that it gave me as a tool is it always gave me. Uh, the ability to be innovative for them. And no idea was a bad idea. And most things are tried where again, some, some of the things we try to do is we try to stay on bleeding ed technology, bringing it to leading edge technology, to bringing it to delivering it to the industry. And, you know, I, I have to say when, we, when NORCAT turned around and back in 2012, and we opened up our innovation when Don came aboard and, and we spread out to the city and the community, and we started allowing more innovators to come on board, it was an absolutely amazing time to see all of the ideas flowing through NORCAT at that time.
1: Ed, Greg, I want to thank you again for your time. This has been informative. And I know I've walked, I'm going to walk away from this with a much deeper understanding of your industry, of the tools of your trade, and of the innovation that you guys are fostering. So thanks again. Thank Thank you. thank you. Thank you.